0: Welcome back to Crime Scene Queens, the show where if you're sick of the same old, same old true crime retelling of murder porn, and you want a little bit more of an inside perspective from real forensic practitioners, keeping in mind respect for people while implementing science and still keeping it kind of gory, then you're in the right place. I am Laura, your friendly resident CSI and field mouse. And I'm Shelly, your legal beagle and your resident court rat. Shell, I thought I would bring up today, before we deep dive into our topic, I've been, don't laugh, I've been trying to learn TikTok. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> oh, Lord.
0: Which... <laughs> 80-year-old Laura comes out. Here we go. Tell oh, us, my Laura, God. Tell First, us all well, about this TikTok thing you speak of. Well, the youngins, they watch oh. the videos, Shelly. Them whippersnappers. They're whippersnappers. They're watching the videos, and they're learning stuff, and they're dancing, and it's so confusing for me. <laughs>
1: Okay, it's just so just just to clarify, um, you're younger than me,
0: and neither of us are fifty. <laughs> so, neither of us are fifty. <laughs> yeah, so let, let's just lay that out right now. All right, go, I, go ahead yes. with your with your new my new exploration. So, like as yes. an elder millennial, TikTok is just kind of a lot for me. So I'm starting at the bottom, which is basically watching everybody else's content without actually creating my own. So in a way, I'm a parasite. I'm sucking off of what everybody else is doing without contributing <laughs> anything myself. <laughs> and, You're stalking? Um, I mean, I don't know if it counts on TikTok because these things are being made to be viewed and I'm not actually looking up a person in particular. I was just kind of like searching gotcha. topics. And what I stumbled upon was actually super relevant Ooh, tell to me our more. show. It got fed. Yeah, so it got fed to me. Hashtag ethical true crime. And I was like, ooh, how interesting. So what I found out is there are a lot of victims' families um, where like, a loved one is a victim of a homicide or another violent crime, or victims themselves, and they do not appreciate their stories or their loved one's stories being exploited in all of these different forms of media And without their consent, like, I mean, obviously we've seen things like America's Most Wanted or other true crime shows where the victim's families are involved, but that's different. There's like movies being made based on people's tragedies where the family did not want that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And it's just, it was, it hit home for me because I was watching a, a TikTok video or whatever of some girl whose sisters got murdered and... I guess it got turned into a Hulu movie or um, a streaming service movie. And all kinds of specials were made on it. And there's all kinds of podcasts on it. And she says it's like a knife in her heart every time her sister's story is used for somebody else's benefit. And their family has no say in it. Yeah. And it made me think how appreciative I am that you and I... And Q Code agreed on the format of our show because we also like murder porn. Like, that's why we're here. We love getting into the nitty gritty. We like talking about all these things. But at the end of the day, I've had to stare in victims and victims' families' faces before. And if I don't have their consent to tell their story using their names, that really, like, isn't right, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And actually, you know, some of the the stories that we're going to tell... Later in in this episode, mm-hmm. I actually do have something that is that is relevant to that, and I was gonna okay. yeah. So I'll, we'll definitely I think we should circle back around to this when we talk about some of yeah.
0: this. yeah yeah. I'm I'm happy to do that. It just makes me proud of like what we're doing here because education is kind of foundational. I mean I know we have a good time and we like talk about ridiculous things in the middle of like our science and what we do, but at the end of the day we are like trying to provide valuable correct content. And by the way, if I misspeak, don't anybody at me. Okay. I'm not perfect. I'm just doing my best. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of not being perfect. Oh, tell me more. mm -hmm, Our theme for this week are cases that stumped us or things that went wrong.
1: Oh, the joy. I know.
0: Everybody has learning experiences. Everybody has a crime scene that makes you go, hmm. That's weird. make you go, hmm. Hmm. That's weird. Or maybe you misinterpret a piece of evidence or you walk in with an unintentional bias, which I know, Shelly, you can totally speak to uh, coming from the legal system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And that kind of, you know, I think that's a good CSI EDU. Let's start with uh, bias. Shelly, you want to take it from that? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, there's a
1: couple of things. And one of the things I teach in my courtroom testimony course is about bias. And bias, there's a bunch of different types of biases, but Mm -hmm. one of the main ones in crime scenes is is called confirmation bias. And that's favoring information that conforms to your existing beliefs and then discounting the evidence that doesn't conform. So pretty much what that means is the accusations are that your results are based on what you already believe. So you're going to go into a crime scene and if you think it was a certain type of crime, you're Mm going to try to find evidence that is going to support that and that is not going to negate that fact. So, so bias it might not even be fact.
0: on purpose. Oh,
1: hundred percent. And everyone has biases and some of them we recognize and some of them we don't. And it's, it's great because I, in my class, I actually teach and we do a, a couple of exercises and people are just, they're just stumped because they don't realize that they have these biases. So there's, you know, the inherent bias that we don't always know that we have. And so when you recognize that, then you can overcome that, which is something that I think that you know all CSIs need to learn and understand so that they can keep an open mind.
0: Right. So basically it's when something is made true by you because you need it to be true or your worldview or perspective facilitates this distortion Yes. A a belief. Yeah. And it's your belief. And,
1: you know, biases are based off of so many different things. But, you know, I mean, they can be based off of your previous history, your past, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, an emotional state that you're in currently. So, you know, it's not only just ingrained in you. It can also be something that is a spark that was a recent spark. So, yeah, there's a bunch of different things. So, yeah, we just need to be very cautious of that, uh, especially in the legal realm of any type of crime scene, because more and more we're finding that, the opposing counsel is asking about biases or, or a, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to say accusing because that's a strong word, but they're leaning towards making the juries and the judges believe that maybe evidence is hidden or that it wasn't uh, necessarily found or looked at right. because there was an idea right. of how something already happened.
0: I've had that happen to me in court before. Luckily, pictures are helpful with things like that. Um, when you are have thorough documentation, whether it be through photographs or video or sketching or whatever, that can help is just doing a really thorough job on the documentation of the scene. But, you know, it's funny that you say that, Shelley, is because I was telling my crime scene students before COVID when I was in class, people have bias completely unintentionally. Like, a really good example that I like to use is victims always tell me the gun was huge. The gun was huge and it wasn't. But to them, when it's pointed in their face and it's threatening their life, Mm -hmm. it was huge. And the guy was six feet tall. Okay, well, he wasn't, but there's all kinds of, it's like, I think there's even a name for certain things like this, like the mandala effect where like, your brain fills in certain blanks for you,
1: you know, I know
0: that that's a state of it. So I've had a victim tell me the gun was huge before and she was being so honest and she was speaking from her true recollection of what happened. And it was like the tiniest 22. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And, and they, you
1: know, it's crazy because, you know, the Mandela effect, they talk about it's the false memories, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't feel that there's false memories. I believe, and Mm -hmm. this is another thing that, you know, I do teach is that there's three sides to every story. And the Ah. the three sides is, you know, if we're having just a conversation, there's my side, there's your side, and then there's the truth. Mm -hmm. And it's not that either one of us are not speaking the truth. What it is, is that my truth is my truth because of all of my past experiences, everything that I've been through in my life, everything that I've seen, all my emotions. And that's the same with you. And then mm-hmm. there's exactly what happened. And we all put a spin on what we see and what we feel and how we take things. You know, just like they say that there's no emotion in text. So you shouldn't, you know, do a lot of things over text. You should actually talk to them because there's no voice inflection. And thank so, God for emoji, right? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's also like, you know, the commas and stuff, right? So, you know, let's eat grandma. Oh, no, 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 no. There should be a comma there. Let's eat comma grandma, right? Let's so, eat
0: with your grandma versus let's eat your actual grandma for dinner, it's, like a carnivore or a I mean, cannibal. Yeah. I mean, unless you're a cat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's it's those
1: types of things. And like I said, you know, I do teach, I do teach that. And it's, it's really interesting, I think, because, you know, it gives everyone a perspective.
0: So I think that what I'm going to do is let our next definition for CSI EDU float into my first story. So Shelly, would you like to tell me what your definition of autoerotic asphyxiation is? Well, (laughs) sure.
1: So uh, I I don't think I have the experience that I think you're going to speak of, (laughs) but the autoerotic asphyxiation. So asphyxiation is, uh, you know, causing oneself to stop breathing, dying from, you know, no oxygen. Suffocation. yes 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 and so autoerotic is the sexual
0: (laughs) getting turned on by it
1: Ah, yeah so autoerotic is the sexual component of the autoerotic asphyxiation so the actual like book definition is the practice of sexual self-stimulation while causing oneself to experience hypoxia which is believed to heighten the sexual experience
0: Oh, okay. So basically like there's something that happens to your body when you're lacking oxygen that turns you on more. Uh,
1: yes. It, yeah, it actually, it triggers things, which is kind of, Ooh. It yeah, it's a unique thing so that the, the chemicals in your body. So for instance, if you stop eating, right, you go into starvation mode mm-hmm. and when you go into starvation mode, then your body says, oh my gosh, I'm in starvation mode. I'm going to hold on to all the fat and all the everything. And so instead of, you know, losing weight immediately or uh yeah i guess just losing weight immediately then people mm-hmm. they kind of hold on to it for a minute and then they start losing it so it's it's very similar
0: oh i hear you well okay so here's my story about that <laughs> okay so relatively green csi laura is all by herself Oh, fun. And I know, I know. And I get called to the death of an elderly gentleman who is known to have AIDS and tuberculosis. Oh, fun. Fun. Mm -hmm. And there's all these other outliers that were communicated to me like he was in the military. There were certain exposures to his person during times of war. So there wasn't a lot of reason to expect that this death was in question. Like, okay, okay, dude probably died naturally, but we're going to investigate it because, well, I end up finding out why later. (laughs) So they tell me he has TB or tuberculosis. They tell me he has AIDS. And this is before there was a lot of medication that we have now that can help maybe basically mask or eliminate signs or conditions for related to hiv and aids so Mm -hmm. i put on my tyvek i have my booties i have my mask and i go in there and it's a two-bedroom apartment and he Mm -hmm. lives with a younger man and the older gentleman was a homosexual and the younger man was straight but they were apparently very good friends and nothing else to it okay that's fine great okay Everyone's got to have, uh, you know, the gay best everybody's friend. Everybody's got to have a friend. Yeah, everybody's got to yeah. have a gay a gay BFF. I do. So there's the living room adjacent or connected to the kitchen, as in is a lot of like apartments, and a hallway that leads to the two bedrooms. And then each bedroom has a bathroom. Okay, I'm visualizing the, this. I got mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So down the hallway, after I take all, of, I'm taking my overall pictures, I see a bloody handprint on the wall. Oh. And I'm like, oh, god damn it. (laughs) God damn it. I'm I'm not not coming home for dinner, honey. Yeah, I'm not even at the fucking body yet. God damn it. (laughs) So I'm like, okay. Calling the detective because he had like said to me, okay, we'll start taking pictures before I get there. Like that's fine. Because normally they want us to wait for them, but he had given me the green light to just start taking overalls. So I get to then the roommate's bedroom and there are linear strike looking blood marks oh. all over aspects of the ceiling and on the wall up by where the ceiling and the wall meet okay hold okay on. so
1: for our listeners linear explain that please. like a
0: lot like literally like if you imagine like a lightsaber like a straight line like yes. there was not like our a normal horizontal blood or, s- or vertical Um, They were, like, diagonal. Like, it's not – it was not in the shape of, like, what a normal blood spatter would be. Like, normally for blood spatter, you have – And this isn't cast off? No, it was not cast off. But that – because cast off has a very particular pattern where it kind of looks like, if you imagine, like, a sprinkler. Yes. Yes.
1: Right. So – And we have to explain cast off when, as soon as you're finished with this definition.
0: Right. So cast off blood spatter, I'll just go ahead and get into it. Cast off blood spatter is when blood is on an object and flung. So if you think about the backswing of a baseball bat or the backswing of a knife, or like, even if you have like a wet towel and you fling it and like the blood then is flung off of an object onto a surface. Yes. So the, the other unique aspect of the blood spatter was that it was so high But as far as its shape, it was, like, super, super skinny the whole way. It wasn't, like, droplets that had different, like, ovular, like, where it was at a different angle so that you could be measuring that kind of stuff. And I'm like, what the literal F? It was all over the roommate's bedroom. I'm like, this is so weird. And then it was in the hallway, too. I I noticed then when I went into the hallway, it was all over the ceiling. So then I finally get to the victim's bedroom, and there's Mm -hmm. no blood. (laughs) oh okay so i'm like okay even more confused now yeah the victim is face down on his bed okay his pants are off oh there is pornography on his bed and there's a plastic bag over his head okay so speaking Hmm. to your statement on bias my brain started saying this guy fucking accidentally Killed himself while he was jerking off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yes, that's... Right. Yeah. Sure doesn't explain the effing blood all over the rest of the apartment, but I'll get to that later. So I start taking pictures of everything. He has a whole medicine cabinet full because of all of his conditions. There's a pretty generous amount of paraphernalia for his lifestyle, if that makes sense. And I say to myself, I'm calling the Emmy. (laughs) There is way too much going on in this scene. I am totally confused. So... When you say you're totally
1: confused, you're saying that because you're saying that you don't really know what to collect as evidence.
0: No, it's not that I didn't know what to collect as evidence. It's that I was afraid to start documenting until somebody who knew better than me saw it. Like, I didn't want to start picking things up. I didn't want to start moving things. I didn't want to move the victim. Like this, something felt weird to me. I'm like, I don't get this blood. Like I did all my pictures, I started doing my sketching and I told the detective basically like there is something miss. All right, so here's my theory on forensics, guys. If something doesn't make sense, it's for two reasons. The first reason is you don't have all of the information and there's something that then isn't being understood because of that. Or two, somebody is lying. Yes. Okay? There's no other reason why something doesn't make sense. It's either a lack of understanding or a lack of information or there's a huge effing lie. Yes. So now medical examiners don't tend to respond for anything other than a homicide, but I had articulated to the death investigator who work with the medical examiner, I'm really, really off-put by what I'm seeing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So the ME decides to come out with the death investigator and... Green CSI Laura is in a panic, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, Doctor! Let's just call him Doctor Smith. That wasn't his name, but I don't know if he wants to be called out like that." Oh my God, Doctor Smith! Da-da-da-da-da. All of this is happening. I'm a-da-da. and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Okay, just you know what? You just calm down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you just calm down. That's that's a perfect thing to tell a woman too. Just yeah. just calm
0: down. Well, well, I mean, to be fair to him, this was like legit. So he said to me, "Let's just go take a look." He goes, you already took your pictures. I said, yes. So he puts his hands in his pockets and he goes, welp, it can't be that bad because I've seen everything. So (laughs) we walk in and we see the handprint and he goes, well, that looks old. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I'll let you tell me that. And then I said, well, I'm really confused by this blood spatter all over the ceiling. And without a beat, without a second of consideration, he goes, guy's a junkie. He's clearing his needles. And I was like, oh my God, because basically he's injecting himself with narcotics and then clearing the needle and is in the depth of addiction. So isn't bothering to clean up all the fucking blood everywhere. So the blood had nothing to do with the death of his roommate. So that's the first part of this scene that stumped me because I'm not even done yet. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. So that was a really huge educational moment for me because now forever I recognize that blood spatter pattern. And that's why on-scene learning is so huge and like listening to people that are smarter than you. Yes. So then... Not many, but yes. (laughs) Aw, thank you, (laughs) Shelly. You're welcome. At the time, (laughs) at the time, at the time, I had a lot of learning. So... I went into the bedroom with the doctor and the death investigator, and we moved the victim. He was laying on a spoonful of meth. It ended up being an overdose, and it was, so he was jerking off doing drugs and had just bought the porn, and when he collapsed, it just was circumstantial that his face fell into the plastic bag. It was a complete coincidence. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But like usually we say there are no coincidences in forensics. However, once you move the body, yeah, it was not like a coincidence anymore. Like the spoon was there. There was like a lot of effing drugs. So basically, this guy, even though Super he and his, junkie. well, both of them were junkies, which is why they lived together so well. They were actually very good friends and very like supportive of one another. Well, yeah. Um, the, yeah, like the the roommate was truly devastated at the loss. Like I remember it being a unique situation to whereas like he wasn't even a suspect. Like they did have me swab his hands and stuff, and we do that and do like a. Just the whole nine yards, fingernails, whatever. They had to mm-hmm. do that just in case, just in an effort to be thorough, because you never know. Photograph. What you'll find. Yeah, photograph him yep. to see if yep. he has any yep. injuries. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Collected his clothes, which is good. He, mm-hmm. So yep.
1: that right there is actually good because that that shows that there's not a bias necessarily, you know, to yeah. what you suspect the case or that you know the incident was.
0: Right. So even though I had an impression of what I thought was going on. We do things anyways all the time in CSI. Like, just because you have a lot of evidence that this case is a suicide or a natural death or an accidental death, whatever, you always want to behave as if it's something more. So the roommate could be completely innocent. However, he is the one that discovered him. He threw himself on top of the body in his grief. So even as an elimination standard, we want to collect samples from him as far as DNA and fingerprints, even if it's just to eliminate. Yes. Him.
1: Yes, exactly. And that's what the elimination mm-hmm. standard is, is to eliminate right. him. So you have to collect his, right. his genetics, now his DNA, his, you know, fingerprints his everything so that that way you can eliminate him.
0: For sure. So that is probably a good one. Like as far as like our stories, because It was a double whammy. There were two things where I was totally like, what the hell is going on here?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So so I guess you could say that that scene was kind of a banana sandwich. It was a legitimate
0: banana sandwich. Nice. (laughs) Love that. That's like my official, that's like the crime scene queen's official terminology for what the fuck. Uh,
1: It's a complete
0: (laughs) shit show. Or banana. Yeah, exactly. Only we're saying it like with a, like a little cherry on top. Like it's PG when we yeah. say it's banana it's, it's sandwich. it's like kindergarten friendly.
1: We can say that it's a banana yeah. sandwich.
0: Yes. All are welcome into the banana
1: sandwich. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy. So I don't know if you want to... If you want to tell another one or if you want me to go into one of mine.
0: Yeah, let's swap off. You go for one and then I'll go back. I've got a few more. So I'm going to tag you in, friend.
1: All right. Tag I'm in. Okay. So there was a call for suicide. And the reason that it's called for suicide is simply because, you know, you you get the call. There's a briefing. The briefing is, you know, they talk to witnesses. They talk to whoever, uh, you know, law enforcement comes out. They do their own assessment, whatever it is. And so it was a call for suicide. And it was a gentleman who was found to have a gunshot wound to the head and he was sitting in a chair uh like a lazy boy rocker recliner type thing and uh you know processing the scene as if it was a suicide however you know but when it's a suicide you kind of treat it like a, a homicide you do you treat it like a homicide but you know you're not necessarily uh looking for uh you know if it was a homicide then maybe you might look in the kitchen to see if there's, uh, you know, something that's out of place or if, you know, you're not looking to see if it was a break-in, that type of thing, you know? so You look for things of...
0: that appear to be a disturbance.
1: Exactly. So, right. you know, is there a little bias? I guess so, because, you know, it's a call for suicide. So, you know, you're not looking for those types of things. So, you know, processing the scene, and everything, and then, you know, move the body. And there's something kind of weird. There's a a, a weird hole in the Mm. in the chair Mm. and it's we're like huh that's 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 odd the way that the you know the the way that the gunshot would have happened this doesn't seem like it places right so maybe you know is it is it cigarette it wasn't
0: consistent with the trajectory
1: it it wasn't the trajectory was Mm. was off so this was all right this is a little bit weird but now the body's moved you know the medical examiner's taking the body and everything and then we move the chair Mm. And then the chair is sitting on a, an area rug and move the area rug. And there is a bullet hole in the floor and Mm. there is a shell casing in an area that is not consistent with it being a suicide. So ends up being homicide. Wow. Pretty crazy. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So thank goodness. And you know, I mean, I, I don't. I I don't know if I can even get into the reason why the you know the certain things were kind of adjusted and moved to figure out that it was a homicide because there's confidentiality type stuff, right? You know the fact is that you know it was a call for suicide and you go in there and you're like, all right, cool, let's let's you know rock this scene and then all of a sudden something happens. You're like, okay, it was a homicide, so now let's look in the kitchen, let's see, are there prints on anything? And it turns out that. Thank goodness that was discovered because there was an odd print that was on in, mm-hmm. s- on something in the kitchen as well as, you know, it, there weren't any signs of forced entry. So that was a little like, okay, this is a total hump. It's a total uh, suicide. And then later prints, the the door was actually dusted and, and certain prints were found. So.
0: Oh my God. I love that story. That is a perfect transition into my next story because it very much relates to Prince being found and it being relevant. So this is the story of me being a little bit more of a seasoned CSI. Nice. And we got a call of a suspicious death. So we weren't really sure what happened. So there was no preconceived notion about what we were walking into other than there's a dead guy. Okay. I got a Mm -hmm. call for a dead guy. And basically this guy's co-worker and he were supposed to go on a work trip together and the guy never showed up that's completely not like him co-worker showed up to his house um the sliding glass door was open he went in found him dead in his bedroom okay guy was also a little bit older but not old you know like that middle ground where they probably aren't just going to keel over and die of natural causes, but they're not like a spring chicken. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a one-bedroom apartment. It's Mm -hmm. literally a great room that includes the living room, the kitchen, small dining area, mini hallway that branches off into a bathroom, and then a bedroom and bathroom suite. So the bathroom that went the one way was more for, like, guests. Okay. Yeah, it was actually kind of a unique layout, like a two-bedroom or two-bathroom, one-bedroom. I walk in, and the dining room was right in front of the kitchen, like, counter. Okay. One chair was moved out of place. Tiny bit of blood spatter on the floor. So there were other chairs. There were items on this table, and none of it was disturbed. The little bit of blood spatter going into the bedroom... Some patterned blood uh, as far as like shoe impression and blood. Okay. Okay. Notice I said shoe impression and blood. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Get to the bedroom. Victim is laying down. There is a towel over his face, but not covering it, just sort of on the bottom aspect. Think about like wearing like a really bulky scarf. Okay. There is no shoes on my victim. Okay. And there is a lot of shoe impressions in the blood. Yes,
1: yes, yes. So, okay. So you said, as soon as you said there right. were no shoes on your victim, the lights went mm-hmm. off.
0: Yeah, I was like, oh, damn it. So the shoes were not far away from him. And this is where it threw me off because I was starting to go through things in my head. Okay, well, it looks like what, because there was so little blood, that maybe this man started to have an episode and he started to aspirate blood and maybe he was on his way into his bathroom from his bedroom. And who knows, maybe the shoes came off,
1: Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm.
0: So I'm looking around and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like there was all kinds of things that were bizarre. And the story that I was telling in my head was, I think this guy was having a cardiac event. Or something was going on because the shoe impressions were odd. However, Uh they weren't that odd considering how close the shoes were to my victim. It wasn't like, oh, he was shoeless and then nothing was around. Okay. Okay, So I don't commit to this narrative, but I'm looking around and getting more and more stumped. Then things start to unravel.
1: (laughs) Oh, tell me because I'm a little... (laughs) I think I know,
0: but I'm a little thrown. Okay, there is no wallet. Okay. There is a cell phone charger. There is no phone. Okay. There, I I went to start taking pictures of his closet. Things were pushed aside. There was blood spatter or blood uh, swipe or wipe on the clothes, which is when blood transfers from one item to their other to the other. Yes. There is a little bit of blood in the sink. Okay. And this, I cannot take credit for. I have to give credit to my partner. Shout out to Rachel. Nice. Good I, job, Rachel. Yeah. Shout out to Rachel. We are. She's helping me on this scene. And we're documenting the blood spatter on the little hallway. And she looks up. And at the T of this hallway, where it goes one direction into the bedroom and the other direction into the bathroom, Rachel's like, huh, there's a greasy-ass handprint on that mirror. Okay. Other than the blood spatter and the mess from this man's death, this apartment was immaculate.
1: Everything.
0: Okay. was So she was like, that's weird. And I said, well, bitch, then collect it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Rachel goes and gets a powder kit and she dusts it and then I lift it or vice versa. All I know is we did it together. We collected. It was a full hand. It wasn't a palm. It wasn't a few fingers. It was like the whole palm. And just so you know everyone for our listeners that is a unicorn yes to it is to get an entire that does not happen
1: <laughs> no it doesn't but teamwork makes the dream work just dream so teamwork
0: makes the dream work and usually like when you have an entire hand you have to i mean most of us don't carry around latent cards which is where we transfer prints that we've powdered onto a surface for collection most of us don't have print cards that are big enough for an entire hand so Rachel and I had to kind of make one by taping a bunch of them together. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I say, hey, have I not said CSI's is arts and crafts? Yes. CSI arts and crafts. You are a
1: hundred percent accurate.
0: And you know, there is a very reasonable possibility that this man could have been struggling with his health. And then as he was making his way into his bedroom, he is the one that put the handprint on the window. But regardless, we collected it. Yes. So there's some random pieces of blood. So things start to get weirder. There's random pieces of blood spatter on the bed. And then I noticed by that table where like one chair was out of place, which by the way, could have been him backing out of his table as he was having an event. There's a blood spatter on the underneath of the table. It's not just falling down from the sky. It's coming from a different angle. Okay. 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 So now we're getting weird. So we start to collect all these things. I document, I use um, my scale of measurement. I know we've mentioned this on other episodes, but for everybody that might not be in the know or if you're just joining us, we put scale of measurement or like little rulers for Mm -hmm. photographing items of evidence where the size and shape down to the millimeter or less is relevant. Yes. So things like blood spatter, pattern injuries, wounds, these are all reasons why we would use scale so the medical examiner doesn't come to this because at this point we don't know it's a homicide and this is later but the death investigator does and the one that responded is one of my favorites and she's amazing and she's like okay well what else is going on here because she also was stumped I'm like you know what I have a feeling that there's more happening so I used a chemical processing method called Amido Black, which mm-hmm. is particularly used to develop blood fingerprints or blood patterns. And I start putting Amido Black on the ground. Okay. All of these other... <laughs> More things show up, Shelly. Oh, boy. This <laughs> that sounds had been so cl- fun. <laughs> More things show up a lot more shoe impressions show up. So now I've got two different shoe impressions. Mm -hmm. Now there's one dude here. And now I've got two shoe patterns in blood in my crime scene. Well, now the story has changed, hasn't it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So we're going to Tarantino this story for the sake of getting to it. Yeah. It turns out my victim is one of these people who... Has, like, $40 in the bank, but he's got, like, $1,500 in his wallet that he likes to show off, and he wears, like, Gucci shoes, and he has, like, a Rolex watch. So he gives the impression to everyone that he's very, very wealthy. Yeah. A woman who lives in his apartment complex, her nephew had recently been released from federal prison for murder Okay. and came to live with her. Oh, great. That guy saw our victim, flashy, 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 and was like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to fucking kill him and take his money. Wow. So literally, the victim and the suspect did not know each other. The suspect literally knocked on the victim's door, found some way in. We still don't know how that happened. And at some point, they began to struggle. And the reason why there was so little blood is it was strangulation. Okay which by the way, the bruising for that did show up later and we were able to see it. I'm just like going to be thorough at the end of the story. There was no evidence of the suspect in the victim's home. I fingerprinted the victim's neck. I swabbed. I did everything that you should. Mixed profiles. There was too much of the victim's blood on his neck. It just didn't show up. Rachel's handprint solved the crime. Oh, wow. We would have had no idea who was in that apartment and who killed him if Rachel hadn't seen that handprint. Shout out to Rachel again. Good
1: job, Rachel. So I do have a question. You used Mm -hmm. amido Black on the floors, right? Uh Uh-huh. And that causes damage to DNA, correct?
0: I think that it damages it, but it does not destroy it. However, we had collected samples from the visible blood stains earlier, oh, okay. I had put cones because their blood did have a trail, so to say. Okay. So for listeners that are interested in how we handle these types of things, I had placed numbered evidence marker cones in a way that indicated the path of the blood and then taken a sample from each position. So blood had already been collected, but what the amido black did is it developed things that I had not been able to see with my naked eye gotcha okay okay mm-hmm. so yeah great since, question so, since, though
1: yeah so since you collected it first then yeah mm-hmm. that's awesome
0: good right so that was a huge stumper because we spent like a solid few hours just going back and forth I think this is a murder I think it's not oh no no wait here's evidence it's a murder oh my god you guys I think it's a murder oh god damn it again you know <laughs> yeah yeah
1: you're the back and forth back and forth mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah it's actually kind of crazy they're they're I you know, there's a, a case, it's a famous case that was, mm-hmm. um, it, it was labeled a suicide in a, uh, in a mansion out Ooh. in, um, Coronado. Yeah. And, um, you know, back, it was just over 10 years ago and it was thought to be a suicide. It was ruled suicide by all, all the investigators, by all the authorities and everything. However... There was just some weird things. You know, not not mm-hmm. the typical DNA on the rope that was found. There was not Ooh. you know there was extra DNA on the rope and you know, it's just like weird things. There were there were footwear impressions for the victim instead of, you know, if someone were would have pushed them over. So it was, it was off of a reeling and it was kind of a a crazy, uh, it's been all over the news and it's been on some crime scene shows and stuff, but it's, it's kind of weird. So the family still does not believe that it was suicide because of her nationality and because of her religion, because Uh, that's something that is, does not happen. But there's things that the public doesn't know. And there's things that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously the jury didn't know. And so they couldn't, quite uh determined that it was anything other than a suicide so it was it was a little crazy it's a a super crazy case but yeah I mean it's just weird how you know sometimes you you go onto a scene and you just you know everything you know it it walks like a duck it quacks like a duck but it's not a duck
0: but then it's something else completely yeah 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 I mean I definitely think that those are the types of crime scenes that end up making the moves like particularly when there are rich people in mansions.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, Yeah, that
0: that is true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you say, like, there's things that the public don't know, I feel like that is a really good CSI EDU when we talk about things like the CSI effect. Y'all, just because you see something in the news doesn't mean that that's all of the information. So do your CSI girls, your your new BFFs a favor and try not to jump to conclusions because out of all the crime scenes I've worked that have been covered by the media, Mm -hmm. I would say at least 60% of the shit I see is false. Oh, yeah. And... It's not, be- I mean, once we provide information to the media, it's definitely better. But once they're outside and they're live streaming and they're interviewing witnesses that weren't actually there, it's just a bunch of hooey. And it's to get the viewership. And a part of me gets that. But again, when we're talking about being exploitative of victims, like I've seen some really, really awful things. In fact, talking about exploiting victims and bias. Mm hmm. Shelly, maybe you're familiar. I'm sure you are. Like, you know the concept of the sympathetic victim? Yes. Okay. So what I'm speaking to right now, if the media doesn't believe the public is going to sympathize with a victim, they're not going to cover that story. Now, how I saw this actually play out is I have worked for two cities in crime scene investigation. One of them had a wealthier population. Mm -hmm. And the other one was a lot, 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 lot lower income and was largely made up of minority populations or people of color or different nationalities. And I had coverage for every single murder I had in the first city. Like, I'm talking about live streaming, helicopters, several news stories, asking for conferences. The other city, we had, I mean, I remember a week where we had four homicides. The news media showed up to, like, maybe two of my scenes. And the only reason why they showed up to one is because some chick stabbed her boyfriend in the parking lot of a baby's RS, which doesn't exist anymore. Jeez. So like, I mean, when you stab somebody publicly, like the media shows up, but I have had so many people murdered that were not considered to be sympathetic victims because they were drug dealers or they did something that kind of maybe facilitated their own death, like selling bad drugs to mean people. But it really (laughs) was enlightening that like, if the media doesn't view you as somebody that will matter to the public, then your death does not matter
1: yes yes and that's unfortunate that's very unfortunate mm-hmm. but,
0: everybody's life matters
1: yeah that's right yeah you know and, and that's kind of the way that it is with a lot of crime scenes and a lot mm-hmm. of things you know if it's not if they don't feel that it's relevant or i guess sexy enough for television yeah. or for coverage then they just don't go out on those scenes
0: yeah, I've even had a colleague where a young woman was murdered and the media was all over it because she was very beautiful, right? And then they found out she was a prostitute and that's why she got murdered and the media coverage disappeared because it wasn't a sympathetic victim. Yeah,
1: yeah, that it's so unfortunate, but I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: So I guess that kind of makes me think of... Like, a lot of people that are impoverished or suffering in some way do end up being victims statistically more than others. And sometimes it's not homicide. Like, this was a good example of a scene where I was stumped. All right. So, like, I think by now our listeners are able to determine that I live in Florida, <laughs> okay, <laughs> through my multiple conversations where I discussed that I live in Florida. Yes. And there was a homeless camp in a creek area of the city I worked in. Many homeless camps
1: in San Diego, just not near necessarily near creeks. (laughs) Same creeks. Yeah, this
0: was like a... There was a couple of them living around the same area. And there was a homeless man that was found deceased. And I went there to make sure that nobody, you know, killed him. Yes. Like, for whatever reason. And it was so odd. This man had taken off all of his clothes and talking about strangulation again his shorts had a belt on them Mm -hmm. and he had pulled the belt off and then it was wrapped around his neck not double wrapped but like in the way that it kind of candy caned around his neck and then pulled back down over his chest. So I don't want you to think wrapped around his neck, like tight. I mean, it actually circled his neck, but not all the way to make contact with his skin. Kind of like a tie? Yeah, like a loose tie. Okay. And I was like, maybe it looked like to me, somebody had, like, undressed this man or they were trying to steal some some clothing off of his body, like maybe another homeless person, somebody that needed clothing, and that he had fought back and at some point it became fatal. Because as we alluded to earlier, sometimes Mm -hmm. signs of trauma or injury take time to develop. And I thought, oh, well, maybe the bruising isn't here yet. Yeah. So Florida cold, for everybody's information, is pretty (laughs) much anything below 70 or 65. We are freezing, okay? (laughs) (laughs) the weather the night before weather oh (laughs) that's right and a starbucks and a starbucks (laughs) so we had weather the night before that had dropped to like 55 57 degrees okay so this is not like literally freezing but to floridians like okay we're done we're totally done yeah apparently what i heard from the medical examiner This man actually died of hypothermia oh, because even though it wasn't freezing temperatures, he was malnourished. Okay. Which, you know, there's not as much insulation in his body. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And he's a Floridian. Our blood is as thin as water. And (laughs) I learned that day that when somebody dies of hypothermia when they are starting to, their body is starting to shut down, they actually feel like they're on fire and they're super hot. So he had started to take his clothes off. Oh, okay. Because he was burning up. Gotcha. Yeah, as he was sense. dying from the cold. And of course I didn't think about him dying of the cold. It wasn't like 50, it was not even, it was yeah, like literally, yeah. I think the you temperature weren't even that in I, the, yeah. yeah, I wasn't even in that world.
1: Yes, yes, I understand. But that and doesn't that explain
0: is, the belt. It just was part of him taking it off was him like pulling it out. And then he collapsed and then it like his arm like fell behind his head, I guess, just based on gravity. It was another complete coincidence, just like my guy with the bag on his head.
1: Sounds like you have quite a few coincidences. That's Well, his
0: cause of death wasn't strangulation. His cause of death, as determined by the medical examiner, was (laughs) hypothermia. uh, Hypothermia. And just like the other guy, his cause of death was overdose.
1: Yeah. So the hypothermia death was that like the one and only cause of death Mm -hmm. from hypothermia in the state of Florida ever in 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 all of history.
0: Well, in my entire career, I'll tell you that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely. You're uh, you're you're living in Florida. Yeah, uh, I mean, hypothermia from you know
0: fifty degrees. Yeah, that definitely stumped me because I I never in my wildest dreams would have thought. Oh, this is a hypother I mean, granted, I was totally cold.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I
0: I was for sure cold. <laughs> but yeah. not that cold.
1: Wow. Wow. That's that's pretty that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, I mean, there's there's actually a couple of other speaking of Florida. So I, I know a couple of people that are CSIs in Florida, including you. Um, but in you know, different areas of Florida. And there was a case mm-hmm. that uh, they told me about And the one of the supervisors, they they had a huge trial on it. One of the supervisors actually spoke to and kind of proved that it was murder instead of a suicide. So it was a parents and a son that they thought it was like a murder suicide. So Mm -hmm. it ended up there was no suicide at all. She proved it because he was right handed. And so when he went to draw his weapon, he keeps his his weapon on his right hip because he's right handed. The gun was found on his left side so what that meant was that he would had to cross his body to draw the weapon which then would mean that if he the the way that the angles were in the trajectory he would have had Mm -hmm. to cross his body and point the gun at himself in order to turn to then fire and instead he's right-handed the gun should have been on the right hip And if it was found on the right hip, which is where it should have been, then he would have just drawn and shot. But it was super crazy how everything was laid out. And Without knowing all the details, it might sound a little weird. But Mm -hmm. the right hand, left hand is, you know, the holster side and everything. It's absolutely crazy. And none of that came out until later during the investigations when other detectives were talking to – there was a second son that didn't live in the house – and he was saying, you know, this just doesn't make sense because, you know, I, I cannot see my, uh, you know, my, my parents doing this. My dad mm-hmm. would never kill my mom and he would never kill my brother. And then he would never commit suicide Well, there was an estranged other brother.
0: Mm. And
1: yes, so that other so brother. So all of a money. sudden,
0: yes, all of a sudden things yes. make sense. <laughs> yes,
1: so yeah, though it's it's crazy the, the whole
0: right hand, left hand, and you know cross draw and everything. So yeah, yeah, crazy. Faith. What did I say before? If something doesn't make sense, it's either because you don't know or there's a lie. Yes, exactly, exactly. So yeah, and
1: you know, you, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know of anyone who cross draws. So. <laughs>
0: I mean dirty harry maybe.
1: Ooh, good call. I mean you can, you know, mm. you can yeah, you can draw your weapon from your the like, you know, your back, front, but your, you know, your dominant dominant side. And I say dominant side meaning, you know, your dominant weapon side. Right, your um, handed side,
0: like you're, if you're right or left-handed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Western Star, right? Dude, when you talked about are you, <laughs> drawing from your back, I thought about Robin Hood pulling like an arrow. Oh,
1: hundred percent. That's, that's going over the shoulder though. I'm talking to like,
0: like a uh, wallet pocket style. You know, oh. oh, sorry. Well, you know, I've been drinking, so I like couldn't, I just pictured it how I wanted it to be. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So why don't you go ahead and tell me another one of your crazy stories?
0: Well, I mean, I have one more, but it was more of a, I don't want to call it a stump. It's more of a frustration. So this case went wrong and I have to like fall on my sword about it. Basically, I don't even know if I should say fall on my sword because I didn't do anything wrong. There was just nothing else that I could do. By the way, if CSIs are listening to this and they think of something that I didn't do, please shout it out so I can hit up my old detective and be like, yo, there's something else. Okay. Yeah.
1: The learning learning opportunities. Yes. We all learn from oh each my other. God.
0: And it's right. not that we're doing anything wrong. It's
1: just that someone else has an experience that we may not. So it's I'm just great. pissed
0: about it. I'm just mad right. because I know what happened. So, All okay. Right. There was a man who mm-hmm. was periodically homeless. He was in his like 50s, early 60s. And he was a severe alcoholic. But he did have a woman in her late 30s that he was friends with. And sometimes they would have sex and she'd let him live with her for a while. Okay. And they were tumultuous, like where they would get into a fight. She would kick him out, yada, yada, yada. And this was like ongoing for years. And she brings him to a hospital one night because she says that he got wasted at a bar and got Mm -hmm. hit by a car and stumbled Mm -hmm. into her house And she was like, what the hell? So she drove him to the hospital where he ultimately passed away. Okay, to be honest, we looked into this. He was known for getting wasted at a bar where like a main road was right in front of the bar. Like there was a tiny parking lot, but it wasn't super odd that that happened. And he had been hit by a car before while drunk he also had gotten into many many bar fights while drunk okay because at first
1: my spidey senses were going off but now that you're telling me all this background i'm like oh okay right and this is what
0: but what what do we know about bias though shelly it's like all of that information made sense but it did create a bias
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so (laughs) much like the other crime scene I'm taking, so this isn't a unique homicide because, well, I've just let it go. This is a unique death investigation because he died at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And it was from trauma to his body. Okay. So that made sense for the car accident. It made sense that maybe he had gotten into like another fight that day. Mm -hmm. What do we know about bruising as we've discussed multiple times? It shows up. So I'm taking pictures of him. And then all of a sudden, these, like, quarter-sized circular injuries start showing up. Not like a closed circle where, like, the whole entire thing is filled in, but kind of like a crescent moon. They start showing up on his arms. They start showing up on his chest. And then I start to see a huge bruise, like, just underneath his pec area. Okay. And his face starts to discolor. And by the way, this guy's like been dead. And I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, well, he's been in a fight. Not super weird. Yeah. Right? Not super weird. Yeah. Well, the thing is about getting hit by a car and getting into a bar fight is neither one of those two things explain the, the circular defects that I'm seeing all over him. OK. Yes. So we get a hold of her and we're like, where was he before you brought him to the hospital? And she's like, oh, he was at my house. Um, he was laying in the bedroom upstairs. And I'm like, OK, I want to go there like right now. I want to go okay. there right now. With, before okay. you get to your own house, you're going to be escorted so you can't touch shit. OK. Yeah. So we get to the house the bedroom where he and she sleep is upstairs there's just a mattress on the floor there's one dresser and i'm like "Mm, not gonna get much here but let's just do what we do anyways dig in I start "Mm -hmm, dig in exactly shell so i start taking my pictures and then i see like what looks like a crutch kind of shoved behind the dresser oh interesting And I pull it out, and you know how walkers can, like, collapse to be flat? Yes. It was a collapsed walker. Okay. One of the, all of the legs of the walker had, like, a rubber foot except for one. Oh, interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, obviously, I'm collecting this fucking walker, and I cut the fabric out of the top of the mattress... Yes. So that I don't have to take the whole thing. There was no blood spatter or anything on it. I went over it with an ALS or um, for our audience. Alternate light source. uh, Yeah, an alternative light source just to see if there was any trace evidence. I saw things that were consistent with just like stains over. Yeah, but not like anything of note. Like nothing looked fresh. It it all had like that diluted appearance. So I just made note of it, collected the whole thing. And... Then we start to kind of figure out through interviewing some of her family and friends that they often had a physical relationship. He was older. He was a drunk. He would wear diapers. And what explained the staining that I saw was he would pee himself. Oh, okay. And she would get mad and uh-huh. beat his ass when he peed her house or pooped okay. her house. Okay. Okay. So what we were able to kind of piece together is that he came over. They did what they do. He at some point messed himself and she beat him to death. Wow. And here's what pisses me off. Shelly, if two people are consensually having sex, what does it matter if I find his DNA on her? Uh, Well, that's
1: a tough one because you're Mm going to find his DNA on her.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. What does it matter if I find his DNA under her fingernails if they have sex?
1: Most likely you're going to find DNA under the fingernails.
0: Correct. If they coexist in this house and that's his walker, does it matter if I find her DNA or prints on the walker? Not at all, usually. Especially if she's helping him out because he's disabled. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I had her DNA... On the handle of the walker, his DNA on that foot with no rubber. I had their DNA all over each other. I had her fingerprints. I had his fingerprints, and yeah. none of it mattered. Correct. None of it. When you beat somebody to death,
1: we're, we're not we're not telling you to do this. By the way,
0: we're we're just right. we're just telling a yeah, story. Please about, you know, please, yeah, please don't. Please don't use this please as a way don't. to commit murder. <laughs> when you beat somebody to death and you guys are like knowingly fucking, and that person is known to get drunk get into fights and get hit by cars, you can literally prove nothing. The only thing that I could do was with scale and with really good photography, document his pattern injuries, and I was able to show with no certainty. So in forensics, contrary to what you see on television, even though his injuries were the exact diameter of the leg of that walker, and he clearly didn't do it to himself, you cannot say that those injuries came from that walker. What you can say is that they were consistent with the foot of the walker. That still does not mean she killed him. And it still doesn't mean she did it. So this murder pisses me off because we all knew she fucking killed him. Correct. But so you just, just, you just have to leave it in the yes. hands of the jury,
1: the trier of fact.
0: Well, no, because we couldn't even convict her, Shelly, because the evidence, like we, we needed a confession from her. There's, and she would not. Well, yeah, I mean, this there, particular potential. one, I know that there was a lot of consulting with like the state's attorney and other people, and we could not loophole our way into PC for this. Wow. I know. That's, I don't yeah, know. that's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's there's other, you know, there's other ways. But as a CSI, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, you're you you mm-hmm. you're an unbiased party. So, you know, you go in there, you do your job. But I just want the truth. Emotions. Yeah, you know, definitely. Definitely. You want the truth. And so that's why you're a little emotional about this case. I, I totally well, get it.
0: It pisses me off because this, like, listen, this guy already has what can be perceived as a, like a shitty life. Okay. Like. Yeah.
1: Alcohol it's is,
0: yeah, I mean, he's homeless, he finally gets some ass, and then he happens to pee himself, <laughs> and she kills him. I mean, God damn it. <laughs> These are some first world problems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not first world problems to get a little peace when you basically are in diapers and drinking a lot and getting hit by cars and shit. Oh, wow. Well, you know, so so kind of kind of flowing off of
1: off of your your past uh, story mm-hmm. a little bit. So you know, this is this is involving someone that's much younger. When this one is a case that you know is a twenty a year old uh, boat's mate, and they there's been a this has been televised as well, and mm-hmm. they thought that it was suicide because it was a single shot to the head, but it was weird because there was a little blood spatter and there was zero prints on the gun. Wow. In, so, investigators took forty-five minutes to do this entire investigation. Oh, uh, that, uh,
0: that's not good news. <laughs> that seems to me like a
1: bias. They walk into like, yep, it's suicide. Oh. We're just gonna kind of dust, the whatever. This is fine. Forty-five minutes later, like, no crime scene ever takes forty-five minutes. I mean, there's... that's what we call bad news bears. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so then later, there's it's found that there's uh, gunshot residue. Found on the best friend of Mm. the deceased and then the girlfriend of the deceased, which means that they were both Mm -hmm. in the room and in the proximity when the gun was fired. However, their stories are that, you know, oh, no, we weren't in the room. It was actually we had just gone to the range earlier and we were shooting. So, you know, coincidental. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah. And so a lot of these things were discovered because uh, the the parents hired their own investigators who Uh. determined definitely that it was murder. And then second trial, the girlfriend and the best friend were suspected of murder. However, the problem with that is that there's a little thing that, you know, not all the evidence can always be given to the jury. So there's reasons for all of that. Uh. But...
0: I know what rule you're talking about. I
1: hate that rule. Yes, role. and it's frustrating. So, because of that, uh, the jury didn't see everything, and so therefore, the first trial, the best friend and girlfriend were not found guilty of anything. Oh, yeah, it was it was crazy. And then the second one, uh, they they tried to stick charges, and and so it's there there's probably going to be a third a third trial on this but you know one of the things that that this case is frustrating you know it reminds me it's frustrating and it reminds me of you know Mm -hmm. there's potential bias which you know we circle back around to this whole bias Mm -hmm. issue that we talked about but then also a little bit more on our ethics so autopsy photos in this case were leaked and they were downloaded thousands of times I hate
0: that and that poor family.
1: Yes. So this is, you know, circling back to the very beginning of this episode when we were talking about, you know, our ethics and, you know, the poor families and such. So we don't ever want to exploit. And that's why we don't give all the information, you know, to the listeners because, you know, that, that's just not right. We, you know,
0: yeah, there's just things
1: that we just don't want to say, you know, for, we, we, we feel for the victims.
0: Well, Shelly and I have both worked on really high profile cases and both Absolutely. of us feel like That story has been told. And though we believe in promoting the educational value of learning from them, there's just no need to, like, have somebody relive their trauma over and over and over. Unless, of course, you know, there are some people that find healing in telling their story and creating awareness, but that's really up to them to do. Yeah, that's their story to tell, not ours. Yeah, and, like, as far as wrapping up, like, a CSI EDU for this, aside from the ethics is everything that Shelly and I have talked about comes down to the evidence. You have to let the evidence tell the story. Like, it was very frustrating for the detectives and I that we could not get this murder conviction. But it is, you know, part of- It is what it is. It's the law of justice. And at the end of the day, it's more important that a guilty person goes free than an innocent person has to, like, serve time. Like, we don't want to see an innocent person sitting in jail. That's, like, a huge second injustice like beyond the initial crime. So what I mean is every forensic practitioner owes a duty to one thing, and it's the truth. And it's our job to find the truth. We let the evidence tell us. We do our best because that's all we can do to not let bias creep in. Exactly. And we have to love what we do. Like the second you find yourself complacent, y'all, my fellow CSIs, I love you. If you start to not enjoy this and it all starts to become a burden just quit just 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 quit quit your job like these are like just I love you you're perfect now change (laughs) yes
1: yes yes exactly exactly so you know yeah I you know I think that that's a that's a great wrap-up for this episode Yep,
0: yep yep so thanks for listening to Crime Scene Queens guys if you have any friends that are loving true true crime and they want it done a little bit different than literally every other show and podcast and you want to hear some facts from the experts please tell them about our show rate us review us follow us apple spotify wherever you listen help us out help us out and remember if you're gonna die do your local csi unit a favor and die in an interesting way
1: 100%
0: see you next time Mm -hmm. bye-bye Crime Scene Queens is a Q Code Media production, executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson, produced by Ryan Countshouse. edited by Nate DeFort, and theme song and music by Darren Johnson.